Oh. Good morning. Good afternoon. <coughs> Excuse us for being late. We did not break any speed limits, I don't think. Yeah, you were uh, late. We didn't notice. Yeah, we didn't get pulled over, so hey, we didn't break any speed limits. Well, now you're recording, Chris. Yeah. That. <laughs> you never know. Actually, my name is Ron. <laughs> My name is Ron Nichols, and I live at. <laughs> and all they're going to hear is, oh, you see that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it's good to good to see you guys, and uh, good to see old friends. Just just awesome to see you guys and uh, new friends. And so, welcome to relational care class. And uh, while I catch my breath, why we. Okay, so Randy and Diana are here with us. Woo! Oh, God. We just have to celebrate you. You are very much a part of our joy. We have, very some, much so. we have some worn uh, spots next to our beds because of you guys, but we're, we are thankful. We are very we are thankful. Yeah. We're thankful. Amen. It's a good day to see you guys. Yes, it is. So, All right. On that note. So, Father, we just thank you for this day. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, and so, Lord, as we we look to today, God, we thank you for life and godliness and everything else. Yeah. We thank you for sunshine and birds. We thank you for friends and laughter. Lord, we thank mm -hmm. you for relationship. Yes, God. For you are God of relationship. Mm -hmm. And, Lord, you manifest yourself in relationship. And, uh, Lord, that relationship is played out with each other. And so we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for good friends. We thank you for friends, Lord, that are with us in season and out of season, in good times and bad times, in the joys and the pains of life, Lord. For, Father, in the end, this is what makes life worth living. This is what the joy of life is. And so we thank you because you are the author of relationship. And so you have given this to us, Lord, um, as a gift. And even the greater gift, Lord, is to be able to have that relationship with you. So we thank you. We thank you for being a loving God. We thank you for being a merciful God, uh, a gracious God. We thank you, Lord, for even being a God that walks with us in the hard times. For, Father, we know that we serve a God that weeps with us. And what kind of God is this? What kind of love is this that this God walks alongside us in good times and bad, in joys and pain? And so, Father, it just draws our hearts even closer to you. So we thank you. Open our hearts and minds, Lord, for what you have prepared for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I think we're supposed to use this thing. Are we supposed Maybe to use this thing? We, but when we use those things and also when people talk, get take it to them. That's the key part. Or at least repeat the question or comment. So ah, okay. essentially, you guys all know that we're podcasting this. So um, the feedback is in this room, because it's so much larger, um, y'all can't be heard as much on our podcast um, as we could in the smaller room. So that's why we're using the microphone. So if you have something to share, we're going to shove a microphone in your mouth. <laughs> oh, did I say in a loving way. In a loving way. <laughs> This is relational care yeah, class. Yes, right? yes, yes. All right. So um, as Leona is passing out. Unless you brought something to write with. These cards and these, these pens. So what we're going through right now is relational wellness. And what we're dealing with is 
people who care, self-aware and vulnerable. So we realize that, as we've talked about, God has created us to be in relationship with him and each other. And so if we're going to do this thing uh, called relational care, we're going to care for one another. We need to be aware of what our needs are, but we also need to be aware of the needs of those that are around us. So last week we started off uh, doing some some work, some classwork, and we talked about some needs, um, not all of them, but I'll run through them. And we called them the 10 key relational needs. Those needs were acceptance, affection, appreciation, approval, attention, comfort, encouragement, respect, security, and support. And so one of the things that we realized too is that in some way, in some shape or form, God supplies all our needs that way. And many times he can do it through his word, but he also has designed us to be able to give those needs to one another. So, okay. So uh, last week we started getting into some of these relational needs, and we talked about um, support. We went through an exercise in support, and uh, that was it. So, hey Joe, can I clarify that that there's more than ten mm-hmm. emotional needs, and every single one of us have these needs to varying levels and varying degrees at varying times, Mm -hmm. but that many times in different seasons we'll have higher Mm -hmm. needs. You know, if I'm, I'm, you know, going through a job loss, my security need Mm -hmm. may really jump up. Or if I'm going through a divorce, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, uh, my security need might go really high. Um, Or if I lose someone in my life, I might need more support or comfort during Mm -hmm. that time. Um, But that um, we don't all need all 10 year, 10 needs at the same time. Mm -hmm. To the same, same level. To the same degree. Mm-hmm. Correct. And Thank so what you. thanks. Thank so why this is so important is um, unfortunately we live in a society that we don't talk about needs. And when we talk about needs, we talk about them very much in a very derogatory uh, nature. So, you know, we do things like say, Well, that person's really needy, right? Well, God created all of us to have needs, right? And so we sh- we need to, as people, get in touch with, first of all, the needs that I have, and then be able to help others get in touch with the needs that they may have. Because think of it even in a marital uh, situation. If we're having conflict and there's a need that I have, if I'm not doing the work, the self-awareness, then I can't express to my spouse what that need is. So if I have a need for comfort, but I haven't done the work to understand that what I'm feeling right now is comfort, she may be willing, ready and willing to help me. But if I have not done the self-awareness work to know, you know, what's really happening now is there's a lot of stress going on at work and this and that, but what what I really need from you is I need comfort and I need support. That helps her then to be able to give to me what it is I need. 
But if I go around and she's saying, well, I want to help you, what can I do? And you go, well, I don't know what I need. You know, and sometimes that's true. But again, if that's the case, the responsibility is on us to do the work to find out what it is we need. Because it's not a proper answer to just go, well, I don't know what I need. And then I sort of go away and you leave that spouse, you leave that brother, that sister, that neighbor, whoever that is in your life that's trying to give you comfort, you leave that person basically standing there with nothing to work with, right? So that's what's really important about relational care, about self-awareness, about doing the work, right? And so those of you that have been with us for a while realize that relational care is work, okay? God doesn't pull out our brain at night and shove all the relational needs stuff in and shove your brain back in and you wake up the next morning and all of a sudden you've got this new awareness oh, of relational needs, right? It doesn't work that way, right? But God comes alongside you. He brings brothers and sisters. He brings his word. He brings different things to, to show you, to help you grow, to say, you know what, God, I, I do have needs. And it's okay to have needs. Regardless of what the world tells you, it's okay to have needs. Mm -hmm. So um, how many of you are still in the workplace? You work outside of the home. Okay. So I don't know if you guys know or, or whether it is applicable in your work atmospheres, but over the last seven years, there's been something that's been really uh, a growing focus in the workplace, and it's called EQ. Have you guys heard that? Your emotional quotient or your emotional intelligence. Not your IQ, but your EQ. That has a lot to do with <clears throat> how you relate to others in the workplace. Fundamentally, it's not marketed as such um, in the business books, but it has everything to do with understanding your relational needs or understanding what people's relational needs are and how people function relationally, um, really uh, in the undercurrent of who they are. And the ironic thing is uh, most of you guys in this room, although some of you might identify yourselves as being type A, you're probably not type A's in the standard definition because the people who are the movers and the shakers, the CEOs, and um, I'll use, um, uh, uh, the term apostle, the leaders, the people with the 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 new ideas that that create new businesses. I mean, the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Steve Jobs and the C and not just them, but even the 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 head of Shell. Let's you know bring it home here locally, right? Um, or Chevron. They are they tend to be people who have very low EQs. They're the you know. Um, some of you are old enough to remember Dallas. <clears throat> they are the JRs of the world, right? Just, just get it done. <laughs> just, I don't care what you do, just do it, right? They tend to operate at that level, and everyone else um, falls in a different level in terms of their emotional uh, ability to relate to one another. Well, God values these things. He gave them to us for a reason. Um, 
And we all, as Joe said, we fall in different spectrums. And as Jean brought out, we all need different aspects of these at different times. But even those people who are the Mark Zuckerbergs or the Steve Jobs or the head of Shell and Chevron, you know, established businesses, you know, um, they have those needs as well. They have those needs as well. So whatever we bring to you guys is <clears throat> for your own immediate relationships mostly husband and wife, but it's also for your relationships with your peers, you know, friends, schoolmates, um, and colleagues, coworkers, and employers. So as you think about this, allow your creativity, allow your own creativity to begin to look at these things from a different perspective. Okay, so, and look at yourself, because you may be doing six out of 10 of these, right, that we've called out really well on the job, but not have realized that you need to be applying some of those same skills in your one-on-one -on -one relationships at home, with your kids, with your spouse, with your siblings, siblings. Because <laughs> sometimes for us as adults, that can be like really, really tough. That might be the toughest place. So just realize that God is challenging us to look at these things, not from a narrow perspective, but to broaden, broaden our perspective and look at how these things might apply in all those different relationships. Yes, Jean. Even beyond, yep. even beyond the siblings, but on BART, oh, yes. in the grocery store. Yes. Oh, in the church. You want a service connect. <laughs> There too. <laughs> yes. And sometimes those are the hardest places, right? In the church, with the siblings, uh, with the parents. Sometimes those are the hardest places, the places where we get tested the most. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are going to work on two um, relational needs today. And one is encouragement, and the other is acceptance. Can I read the definition for encouragement? Mm -hmm. Okay. So for those of you who thought I was just playing with my phone, I was actually looking up, because uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a snob when it comes to the English language, I was looking up the Cambridge Dictionary definition of the word encourage. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. You you are, there is no excuse for you, no. <laughs> it says, That's not encouraging. That is not encouraging. There's a exactly. wound there. That's a exactly wound there. the opposite of encouragement. But encourage means to help someone to feel confident and able to do something or to give advice to someone to do something. Um, if something encourages an activity, it supports it and it makes it more likely to happen, right? Just wanted to make sure that you had that, that definition as we go into encouragement. And that's just a, the world's definition of it. In, in um, the, the next step up from, God forgive me, <laughs> French people, please forgive me. The next step up from Latin, uh, literally in, is um, French, right? It's one of the languages, that romance languages that was birthed out of Latin. And so in French, encourage is to throw courage upon, and I'm sure that it's the same Latin root. It's to throw courage upon another, 
It's to share that, to build that person up enough to be able to have the grace to do. Yes, sir. Well, I think about the, Wait, the beginning Mike. of the word, that E, that encourage. Uh, you know, when you think about encourage, you spell it out E-N, courage. When you look at other words that have that same beginning, encourage, encourage, I can't think of any others, but it's, you know. Encounter. Uh, encounter. Mm -hmm. um, it's bringing that, whatever comes after that E-N, it's putting that onto somebody or something. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I have now been affirmed by a young person. So I have been duly encouraged. <laughs> All right. So um, the need for encouragement, uh, people need encouragement at their point of weariness. So if we're going to give encouragement, we have to discipline ourselves to find, to, to look for people who are growing weary. So when people you see who are weary, they need encouragement. It can be as simple as helping people with some small victories or urging them uh, forward toward hope. It can be affirming them in their efforts and nudging them to take the next step. Sometimes our encouragement looks like coming alongside and helping people identify the very practical things to do to progress forward to, uh, toward their goals. Learn to recognize people who are weary and give them encouragement. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a story and then we're going to have you about encouragement and then we're going to have you do an exercise at your tables. Okay. So um, I'm just going to encourage Gina to sit with a table as we get started. Um, just because we're, we're going to go right into the exercises. Thank you. Um, we're going to do Terry's story. I think I can do it without the mic. Um, Terry, David and Teresa Ferguson's oldest daughter. Now, the Fergusons are the, the um, pioneers of this work um, in this area of the relational wellness, relational care, intimate encounters, the work that we've been doing for I don't know how many years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least. So... Um, this is a story about their oldest daughter. And so she shares it with permission. So Terry, David and Teresa Ferguson's oldest daughter, experience a journey of weariness to encouragement that empowers her to encourage others. Terry was in her early 30s, single and concerned about her future. One of her last college roommates had married a couple of years earlier and was now pregnant. Terry was excited for her friend, but also wished she was married and would someday be a mother. During a visit home, Terry shared some of her disappointment and anxiety. She was determined to continue trusting God as she had for many years, but was also at times weary in waiting. She purposed to remain faithful, and, it, and if it was God's will for her, she would be blessed with a husband children and all good things so as she was about to return to her home in houston texas david and Teresa were prompted to offer bold and specific encouragement as well as their prayers so they said to her terry you have been diligent in preparing to be a good wife and mother your maturity and confidence can scare men away scare men away but you are being prepared and protected for just the right husband Terry returned to Houston, encouraged and hopeful. The next evening at a social gathering, a mature businessman walked up to Terry and introduced himself. 
His name was Wayne, and his first wife had just passed away three years earlier, leaving Wayne to raise two teenage boys. Just that week, he had sensed that his time of grief was over. Three months later, they were engaged. Nine months later, they were married. Two years later, Terry gave birth to a little girl, Madison, and two years after that, a son, Jonathan. And they're still married today because this is not this is not a, a new thing. This is something that happened many years ago. So um, what we want you to do is to pause and reflect and really think about someone in your life that might need encouragement. Just, you know, write it down on your paper and then we're going to have you guys kind of talk about not necessarily name the person, right? But identify for each other, excuse me, help each other identify um, what might encouragement sound like given that person's circumstance, right? Or an, uh, another another way to look at mm -hmm. it is so first of all think of somebody in your sphere of influence that might need encouragement and then what is it that's going on in their life mm -hmm. that they need encouragement about so those are the two things you're writing about somebody in your paper somebody that you recognize that could need encouragement in your sphere of influence and then what is going on in their life specifically that they may need encouragement about. So, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll do some discussion on a couple of questions after that. And we invite you to not, don't make it you know deep or something painful that has to do with you and your mate. If you're sitting at a table with your mate, try to find somebody who's outside of just the two of you for now to do this exercise so that you can, um, begin to practice that skill you 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 each know people it might be somebody at your job and you can share you know a little bit about what the what the framework was like for example we got a we got word um yesterday that somebody that joseph cares about um, lost their job right so that's something that even as he shares it with me can be on my heart and i can help to pray for that individual, right? It's not for me to immediately encourage that person. Joe's going to be more direct in that area. So just think about people that you can relate to and you can share. It's okay to share when you get ready to talk at your tables about what that situation is without naming the individual or giving private details. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, please. Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Please, 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 please. Do that now. <laughs> you have how long? How long do you want to give us? Uh, we'll give you guys five minutes. Uh, no base, uh, transit. Transit. Yeah. 
So I just thought that drop, and then it, I don't think my body just being carried to the middle there to work with the mental challenge. So I'm like, so your boss puts you in a very challenging situation because they have such. Yeah, you know how, how, how you have to deal with, sometimes they get really angry at you, sometimes they, they laugh at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and she called like, me on uh, Friday, she's supposed to be and I tell her, why you listen to them, you know, they're grown. She even came out, I even find it, that the direction went back to the place where she had to go, and I said, calm down, I said, and I'm sending that direction because I have it in her office. And she still don't get it because she's still frustrated, crying. Excuse me just a moment. I'm going to ask you guys to do something. Okay. Oh, somebody else. Okay. Okay, we'll give you a couple more minutes.
Okay. Because they hadn't just started. Okay. They were waiting to be released. And I guess that's part of this, this exercise. I mean, what could we fix that person who's going through a lot of pain? She's uh, open to everything. I mean, we're not going to hurt her. She's going to hurt her. She's going to hurt her. She got angry at her all the time. And she's going to hurt her. So, I mean, is there truth of, of God's word, you know, to encourage yeah. to say that, you know, this has happened in the past, but um, there's, you know, that's where people are able to change, relationships are able to change, and um, you're willing to allow God's work in you and ask the other person, um, then this can be better. You know, that would be an encouraging state. I think that would be encouraging. Okay, so I know you guys are getting right into it. So I've got something to add to what you're doing. You have discovered the person and where they might need encouragement. So now what I want you to discuss amongst yourselves is what might encouragement sound like, right? So now these are practical words to that person. What might encouragement sound like? Or actions. What might it look like? So share that. That's where definitely you're sharing with one another. I think you guys already started, so keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> but everybody else is not necessarily at that place. So so think about what would apply in the different scenarios that you each maybe are dealing with at your table and bounce it off of each other. What, what might it sound like? What might it look like? What might it act like? I think that's the hardest thing is like you know, emotional care for one another. A lot of times we, we have the idea of the outside perspective on what should be done to fix the problem. Um, but when we're dealing with emotion and emotional caring, we're not trying to fix the problem as much as come alongside and we can walk with the person as they're learning Now, and I should be. <laughs> 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 
Okay, we'll give you a couple more minutes and then we'll move on. Okay, I'll give you a minute to wrap it up and then we'll move on. Okay, please wrap up so we're going to move on. So, so one of the things that we would like you to do is since you have identified a person in your sphere of influence that could need encouragement, we would suggest that you plan a time to connect with that person to actually give them encouragement, okay? To give them what it is that they need, all right? Okay, so we are going to move into now um, acceptance. Acceptance is another need that we are likely to encounter as we find people along life's journey. We need to accept people at their point of failure. 
Imagine we are going through our daily life learning to be more aware of those who need a lasting difference that care makes. We're looking for people who at times struggle or are weary. We also need to be looking for people who have failed. They may have failed in the brokenness of their own choices. They may have failed in areas of achievement and accomplishment. They may have failed in their own eyes or in the eyes of others. So acceptance really is a very powerful need. I think it's one of the strongest needs um, that people have. I know in my own life, I've struggled quite a bit with the need of acceptance because of my own past traumas that I've suffered in my own family and the lies that I believed about myself that really dogged me through most of my life. Because somewhere in me there was planted the lie that I was not accepted or I had to do certain things to be accepted. And when I didn't meet up to those expectations, that very many times I put, others didn't put that expectations on me, but because I had an unrealistic view, and I also had wounds that were warping my idea of expectations, I would set expectations up for myself, and then when I failed, okay, I had very strong issues and I was not, I did not have acceptance. I did not accept myself, right? I think for the most part, we, we uh, have been exposed to a Christian culture that doesn't really um, understand acceptance. We, we, we have often heard and been taught that we have to behave to become accepted. And there's been a very, um, may I borrow your Bible? I like this Bible. It's a it's nice, great. big Bible. Yes. And you know what? <laughs> I just, I just need to, I just need to pick on my brother for just a moment. This is a segue. What are you doing with the Bible that's got font this big? I thought you guys read Lilliputian. Oh, I heard that. Okay, you heard him, right? Okay. So for most of us. We've been to churches or been in environments that have majored on this half of the Bible and not so much this half of the Bible. And we tend to think that God changed somehow between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But what is one of the theological principles that we sometimes hear about God? And I know this is not a theology class, but... We even sing songs about it. He don't change. He don't change. God is, the word is immutable. He does not change. So if we want to read with any depth, a lot of times we scratch our heads and go, well, it kind of looks like you changed. But what it is is that he didn't change so much as he amplified the way that he deals with humankind. Because when you look at the Old Testament with his 
eyes and not what man thinks you should be looking at it with or how man thinks you should be looking at it, you see that God was operating from his core characteristic of love all along. All along, he said, don't do this because I love you, not because I feel like beating you over the head with my big Ten Commandment stone or big stick, okay? Thank you for letting me borrow your Bible. So because of that, we most of us have grown up and we've heard it from parents or family or culture or whatever that you're not accepted because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. And so when we fail, when we struggle, or when sometimes life fails us, we may be doing the right thing, like, like Joe's friend, going to work, being a good employee, but not being able to continue and work simply because the business is closing down, right? But sometimes we take that into ourselves and feel like we failed, right? And it can, it can really have a damaging impact on us. Acceptance is powerful because God accepts us, period. He sees us in Christ. The question is, do we see us in Christ? So one of the most, I think that one of the things that we struggle with and we continue to struggle with and I believe we will always struggle with is how can a holy, perfect God accept me, a flawed, imperfect human being, right? And we can talk about it, we can talk about it, we can read it, we can sing it, but we all have to be honest that there are times when we look at ourselves, we look at our faults, we look at our failures, and say, okay, God, I know what you say there. I understand it from an intellectual standpoint, but I can't wrap my head around you being able to accept me, right? And this is something that we really have to battle with because whether we realize it or not, that is running in us in a subconscious level. There's a part of it that we understand consciously, but there's another part of it subconsciously that is running in us that we don't even realize. Think about times when you've done something and go, I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe I did that again for the fifth time. I can't believe that I said this thing that I should not have said. I can't believe that I thought this thing I should not have thought. I can't believe I went that place that I shouldn't have gone, right? So we think that, but what's happening on a subconscious level, right, is now when we turn around to open that Bible to pray, when we turn around to seek that God that loves us unconditionally, what are the feelings that jump up? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like, you know, okay, God, I, I understand that you accept me, but there's a part of me right now that can't really connect with you the way I want to connect because that thing I did was was not good and I shouldn't have done it. You see what I'm saying? So what are we doing? 
right? We're actually saying to ourselves that God, on an intellectual level, I, I understand what you're saying, but on my heart level, I'm having a hard time connecting with that. As you're speaking, um, you know, you said at an unconscious level, and I think one of the reasons why it's such an unconscious level is because that's what we do relationally with other people. And that anytime there's friction or conflict or broken expectations in relationship with someone else, um, I have a hard time accepting them as they are because that means that I'm going to be hurt or I'm going to be weak um, or you know that I need to develop boundaries to keep myself separated from that person yes. all right because what they're doing is unhealthy so if I'm doing that in the natural it's very easy for me to put myself in God's position and expect that that's what he's going to do with me so unless we learn how to set up effective Christ-like boundaries hmm. and separate the behavior from the individual, we're not going to stop putting those walls up. Thank you. So <laughs> you're going to give me, you're going to allow me to go? I'll go. So last week, Pastor Ray talked about um, that we sometimes judge people because they sin differently from us. So, um, and that that's a hard one to swallow because to God, sin is sin, right? And we 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 really do struggle with that. And God knows we struggle with that. God knows that. And part of the reason why we struggle is because another one of God's core characteristics is that he's a just God. But in our fallen nature, we have twisted that to God of judgment, right? So we think he's a judging God. We don't say he, we don't think of him as a just God. We think of him as a judging God. He's going to get them or he got them. You know, that tornado that happened back in the South. It must have no, that's not God, people. Let's so-called acts of God. That's an insurance term. That should not be on the mouths of Christians or written on the tablets of your hearts either. Um, but this is the thing is how many of us, most of us in this room have not committed in, in, in the view of the world, that's what I'm talking about. Most of us in this room have not committed adultery in, in the, in the, in the world's eyes, not according to the Bible. Okay. So how many of us have read John eight, Jesus went into the Mount of Olives and he, and early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came in and, uh, sat down, uh, they sat down and he taught them and the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery and set her in the midst. Now, what, what did Jesus say? I want all you guys to answer. What did Jesus say to this woman? That wasn't all of you. I want y'all to say it. 
on behalf of everyone. Thank you. Renee has spoken on behalf of everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Renee. And everyone is thankful. And everyone is thankful because they didn't want to say that because that would be acknowledging, right, that my sin of talking about so-and-so behind her back, which is gossip, is as weighty as this woman's sin of adultery because he's a holy God. He's a, he's a holy God. I mean, there, I have, there's no... Sorry, I just, I can't even, my mind doesn't go there. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. But to him, he's not pleased, right? But he can say, I'm not pleased with what you've done, but yet you are still my daughter. Can we do that? Can we begin to move in that direction? Can we begin to challenge ourselves Literally, just challenge ourselves because that's the truth. Like Jean was saying, there are people that I'm dealing with that I'm like, you know what, I can't talk to you because you know what, you blew my boundary. You hurt me. I did not expect you to do, I did not expect that of you. You wounded me. You wounded our relationship. But yet I have to challenge myself and go, excuse me, God, what is it you want? You want me to call that person? No, I can't call that person. They hurt me. You want me to accept that person still, even though I know that I see now that they are broken in other places. I saw some brokenness before, but I see brokenness in additional places and I still need to accept that person. And he's saying, yes, accept them as a person. You don't have to accept the behavior. So, um, with that, and we're going to actually start wrapping this up. Um, but with that, Scripture said that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the beauty of what Leona was talking about and this idea of acceptance is that God can accept you while not accepting what you do. But we don't see it that way because we still tie the works together, right? And so the thing that we have to really look at is that when you look at Jesus coming, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So when we mocked him, when we spit on him, when we didn't want anything to do with him, he came and died for us. Why? It couldn't have been because we were we were great people. We didn't want anything to do with them, right? Stone them, kill them. You know, we don't want anything to do with them. Get rid of them, right? So it's because he, our creator, loves us because of who we are. We are accepted because of who we are, not because of what we do. Now, the key is to be able to walk in grace and truth, okay? Because Christ came in grace and truth. So what does that look like, right? So let's say I have a brother that is caught in some kind of sin, gambling, or he, he's got some kind of anger issue, right? And knowing that that sin that he's in is not only destructive for him, but is also destructive for his family and his children, right? Now, I can bring the law 
Can I use your Bible? <laughs> I'll use it what a lot of people intend it for. I can use this, and I can hit that brother over the head with this word, right? And what I'm saying may be true. There's no grace. It's spiritual abuse. Mm -hmm. I can come alongside say and say, you know what? Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Things will just kind of all work out in the end. You know, we all got issues. Right? So now I can come and I can give him grace, but I haven't told him the truth that his destructive behavior is not only damaging him, but his family, his children, his life. Right? Where we have to become skilled in is to be able to walk a line, walk alongside people and be able to give them grace and truth. So what does grace and truth look like to this brother? Grace and truth looks like this. I know that there's been some issues that have been in your life, some things that have caused you anger and some things that have caused you pain. And I want to let you know, I'm not going to walk away from you. I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm going to be there when you need me. If something happens and you get angry, I'm going to be there. But I got to tell you that that destructive behavior that you're, that you're living in right now is going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy your children. And if you don't change that, you're going to reap the consequences of what's happened. Right? That's grace and truth. Right? Many of us feel difficult with that because it's kind of like, ah. Uh, you know, I don't want to like kind of get in that person's life or I got a problem with confrontation. So I'll just kind of be, you know, or we think that we think that the loving thing to do is to come alongside and say, oh, you know what? It's all right. Don't worry about it. Things will get better. Just, you know, keep your head up. Just keep going. Right. Yeah. You can also do that Christian thing of I always thought that person was a horrible sinner. I never wanted to do it with them. That's a great Christian thing. <laughs> uh, you see that when you know yeah. televangelists when they when they fall. Oh, I knew he was bad from the beginning. Uh, instead of trying to bring them back into the fold. Yeah, and unfortunately, the church has gotten really good at throwing the law at people, but have gotten really bad. They either go one way or the other. Right? They either go way on the grace side or they go way on the truth side. But the reality is Jesus Christ came in grace and truth. So we have to be skilled in terms of what that looks like. John. Hold on just a moment. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, to add on what Joe just demonstrated, I think the more important part is that that continues. It's not. It's one thing for for you to come and encourage me, you know, with those words today, and I go home alone with that. I think that that's unique in the body of Christ and within this class is that those things are said to speak the truth in love is said. And sometimes I might not understand it fully, mm -hmm. but to have someone continuously on alongside of me will mm -hmm. encourage me to, to mm -hmm. continue on in that. Mm -hmm. Teddy. 
situation doesn't really go one way or the other. And really, because I think the net of that is that um, it's, it's again going back to like the beginning of walking in grace and grace together. Mm -hmm. We pick one or the other, we're not actually addressing the core issue, it doesn't change. So, um, like Father Jean shared so much, you know, in the heart of God is like redemption and restoration yeah. and you can't do that if you don't walk it's like laying a train track with one rail <laughs> right like you're not going to get to your destination because grace may just never restore the righteousness back on you know you're not getting on the right path you're not addressing you know whatever the, the issue that needs to be corrected and at the same time you're just shunning somebody you're not even allowing them the opportunity to correct it mm -hmm. So that train track needs to have both rails put down, you know, to, to stay on the path where God wants us to go. I appreciate that illustration. So I, I want to just also recognize that there are times when it's appropriate to respond to the person who has had a failure in their life or has failed initially with grace to receive them there might need to be a separation between what you're receiving them with grace and then you're bringing the truth in it doesn't all have to be done in that one fell swoop because that's not always going to be helpful that's not always practical that's not always the godly thing to do Sometimes you're coming in with grace and you're literally being present, like with them. Face to face is what brings the conviction of God. And you may never have to say anything about the truth, but just walk, watch God work and watch while being there, present as God works to help them take the steps that God wants them to take. So sometimes... It has a lot more to do with learning how to hear God's voice and follow his timing um, than anything. But as Teddy brought out, we're not helping that person when we shun them or when we, res when we react to them with attitude. We're not helping them because while we were yet sinners, he died for me. For, okay, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, but I know that I sinned like nobody's business as, as a girl growing up. I know what I did. I look, remember I told you guys I looked like the compliant kid, but I was not compliant, right? I know what I was doing, right? And one of the things I was doing was I was robbing my siblings of having a wholesome relationship with our mom because she thought I was a good kid and she thought they were the rotten ones, right? Because they were acting out in obvious ways. Well, that's also sin too because I was a hypocrite. That's the biblical word for it, right? So yes, I recognize that. And when I look at the cross, I can recognize that Jesus died for my hypocrisy. He died for the lies that I told. He died for all of that. And yet he loved me. He included Leona in his heart when he paid for sins on the cross. Yes, and yes. And then you guys are praying us out. <laughs> when I'm in this discussion of acceptance, 
anytime there is sin, it's going to prevent the perfect relationship. I can accept someone, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to have the most intimate relationship with them. You know, I'm, I'm thinking in my own life, and I think it's the same goes with my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. God accepts me, but my own sin affects the level of intimacy that I have with Him. Not His. Yeah, from my from my side. From my not side. Not from His side. Yeah. You know, so anytime we're talking about relationship, there is going to be sin, and sin is often a product of hurt. You know, it's often a product of hurt. And and when we, to take it back to the, the, the more global picture, the more emotionally we're able to care for other individuals, the more healing that we're able to get, and therefore the more intimacy we can have through acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And what I really appreciate about today is... If we're looking at ways to encourage people, oftentimes the first step is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really evident in Second Peter because we've always we we've continued to press this verse and press this verse and press this verse. It is Peter shared by his divine power that is already residing within us? That's mm-hmm. acceptance. Mm-hmm. We have been given everything we need to live a life of godliness mm-hmm. and holiness. Mm-hmm. That's the encouragement. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really cool that you you guys talked about these two today because acceptance is that very first step for encouragement. Yeah. So Father, I want to thank you for uh, what you shared today. And yes, I, just like Renee, on behalf of the whole class, <laughs> we appreciate what you shared with us today. Not only through Joe and Leona, but what you continue to share with us every day. And that's your acceptance of us and your encouragement for us through your son. Lord, I pray that this coming week that all of us are able to hear those words of acceptance and encouragement. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week.